Luke's Gospel, chapter number 11, and we talked about the three friends in the midnight hour this morning, verse 5, 6, and 7. I want to come down tonight and deal with this Father that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And let's begin reading, if you will, in verse number 11. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? If he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? And again, as I said this morning, the answer to those questions is no, a thousand times. Because the father has the child's best interest in mind. Verse 13, if ye then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children. And let me just say, if you're in this room tonight and you are a father, you know how to give good gifts to your children. If one of those children is a daughter, I know you know how to give good gifts to your children. Uh, them daughters will instruct you how to give good gifts to them children. They will take you to the store and show you the good gift. They will cry. They will manipulate. They learned it from their mother. Can I get a witness in the church house? They know how to give good gifts to their children. But watch the text. If ye then be an evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. Here's my text tonight. How much more? Say that with me tonight. How much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit unto them that ask Him? I'm glad tonight in verse 5, 6, and 7, He's the friend that gives the bread. But in verse 11, 12, and 13, he is the father that gives the blessing. And what does he give according to the text? Not just much, not just more, but how much more. And so with that in mind, I want to preach tonight for a while on, you ain't seen nothing yet. I'm glad tonight there's no boundaries, borders, or limits to what God can do. Uh, about November, I'll start praying for a theme for our church for the coming year. And we'll run on that theme. I, I remember in November of 2019, I, I had this real nifty idea. 2020, 2020 vision. And I stood on the first Sunday of January, 2020, and said, we got 2020 vision. I said, we're going to see things this year huh, that we have never seen before. That almost stopped me from ever doing any kind of a theme ever again. I never dreamed I'd go to the bank with my mask on. Just say amen right there. But our theme for 24 I went on out in the deep and did it one more time. But our theme at Harvest this year is more in 24. And not just more, but I like Hebrews 10, 25, exhorting one another, so much the more as you see the day approaching. 
young preacher by the name of Elijah said to the old man Elijah, I don't want just a portion. I want a double portion of the blessing of God that is upon your life. And I'm glad tonight that our God is able to do exceeding and abundant above all that we ask or think. Jesus said, I've come that you might have not just life, but life more abundantly. Simon Peter said, we have more than joy, but joy unspeakable and full of glory. The Apostle Paul said, it's more than just peace, but it's peace that passeth all understanding. And even David in the 23rd Psalm, he said, I have more than a cup, I have more than a full cup, but my cup runneth over. It's eternal life, it's everlasting life. It's not just salvation, but it's so great of salvation. He's just not a savior, he is a great and wonderful savior. And I believe the Bible teaches you and I tonight that the eye hasn't seen and the ear hasn't heard. Neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for them that love him. And that verse is not talking about heaven because the very next verse says, but the Holy Spirit has revealed them unto us. I'm saying tonight there is no boundaries, borders, or limits to what God can do because he is in the much more business. May God do much more than we've ever seen him do before. Now let's apply this phrase to this text. Where do we see God doing in these scriptures not just more, but so much more. Where can we see? You ain't seen nothing yet. Well, back up in the first part of the parable. The message this morning, this lost, hungry man getting bread for his life in the midnight hour. It is a picture of salvation. It is a picture of someone that comes to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. And can I say it like this tonight? When it comes to God saving sinners, you ain't seen nothing yet. You know in the realm of salvation, God is able to save to the uttermost and to the guttermost. Just when you think God has saved the worst diabolical wicked sinner in your county, you know what he'll do? He'll reach way below the bottom and save another one. Because tonight, ladies and gentlemen, there are no boundaries and borders or limits to God's plan of salvation and God's power of salvation. There is no sinner beyond the long reach of the grace of God. There is not one soul on planet earth that Jesus did not die for. 
I enjoyed that so much, can I say that again? There is not one soul on planet earth that Jesus Christ did not die for. You say, Brother Joe, I gather from that you are not a Calvinist. You got that right. I'm not even kin distantly to a Calvinist. One of the greatest insults to the grace of God that it's ever been, that he died for this one, but he didn't die for that one. And that one can be saved, that one might be saved, and that one cannot be saved. That's not the grace of God. That's muddying the grace of God. Let me tell you what the grace of God is. When Jesus looked over at that thief who admitted his own guilt, who admitted that he was worthy of condemnation, he is one breath away from the flames of hell. But Jesus said, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. I just believe tonight if God can stop the plan of redemption long enough to save one more sinner, there is no sinner in old California that is beyond the long arm reach of the grace of God. I don't believe tonight you can witness to the wrong person. I don't believe you can go soul winning after the wrong person. I don't believe you can hand a track to the wrong person. I'm glad when it comes to God saving sinners, it's how much more. No matter who they are, where they've been, how long they've been, how far in sin they have gone. I'm glad love went deeper. I'm glad the nails went deeper. I'm glad to tell you tonight, ladies and gentlemen, I feel like preaching, amen, that there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunge beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. I mean, it may be a thief upon a cross. It may be a jailer in the midnight hour. It may be Cornelius and Lydia down by the riverbank. It may be those unbelieving Jews on Pentecost Sunday. But I'm glad when the word of God is preached and salvation is offered, I'm glad Jesus receives all and excludes none. Jesus said, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. For they that are whole need not a physician. I'm glad Jesus left heaven for me. He left the comforts of glory for me. I'm glad when it comes to God saving sinners, emancipating people from the addiction of sin, changing their life, making them heaven bound and hell proof. There are no boundaries. There are no borders. There are no limits. For when it comes to God saving sinners, you ain't seen nothing yet. He can save and save again. I grew up in the mountains of Virginia, the buckle of what we call the Bible Belt. Everybody in Virginia is either saved or they're akin to somebody that's been saved. 
Jerry Falwell won the whole state to Christ in 1979. A great revival broke out in those mountains and a lot of guys my age were saved and called to preach. But after I had been preaching about five years, the Lord opened up the door for me to move to Atlanta, Georgia. I don't know how much you know about Atlanta, Georgia, but it is not the Bible Belt. It is not the buckle of the Bible Belt. It is not even the holes in the Bible Belt. Me and my wife moving from the mountains of Virginia to Atlanta, there's a TV show about it called the Beverly Hillbillies. <laughs> right there next to the Waltons. That's what it was like. It was like Andy Goober and Gomer and Aunt B had moved from Mayberry to Pilot Mountain. And I mean, we're in Atlanta. I mean, brother, we're the, we're the modern day Sodom and Gomorrah. I won't ever forget the first time I went to preach for Brother Jack Treber, uh, the guy that was carrying me around that day. I said, man, I want to go see San Francisco. I want to see Pier 39. I want to see the bridge, man. I want to see this place. And uh, he said, you know how they talk in California. He said, oh, Brother Arthur, Brother Arthur, that's dangerous, man. Uh, you'll see some weird stuff. I said, dude, I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. Been there, done that, got the T-shirt. I want to go see it. I mean, brother, by the time they get to our church, listen, they've been to the abortion clinic. They've been to the tryout centers. They've been to the halfway house. Someone asked me not long ago, Brother Joe, I guess you have some good people in your church. We don't have any good people in our church. All the good people join the First Baptist Church. All the jacked up, messed up people come to Harvest Baptist. We got a church full of old sinners that were on their way to hell, but somebody loved them and somebody preached the gospel to them. And listen, I have very few first generation Christians I mean, most of the time, by the time they get to us, they done been there, they done done that. Man, they're in the malt, they're in the mire, they're in the deep degradations of sin. And I have my friends that pastor in real conservative areas say all the time, oh man, I bet it's awful pastoring in a place like that. Man, I bet it's terrible trying to have a church in a place like that. And my answer is this, the greatest joy for the last 40 years of my sojourn. It's preaching the gospel and watching the power of God and the power of the gospel reach down in the mire, reach down in the gutter, pick them up out of the miry clay of sin and take them from the mire to the choir. You say, Brother Joe, what do you do with old rotten sinners in Atlanta, Georgia? The same thing you do with rotten sinners in old California. You give them Jesus and you preach the gospel and you point them to the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And i tell you what they do. When God saves them with his unlimited salvation, they make great Sunday school teachers. They make great choir leaders. This is what I really like. They make good tithers. They make good tithers. They make good they make good tithers. Yeah. I'm glad when it comes to God saving sinners you ain't seen nothing yet. Three Sundays ago Dr. Smith was preaching for us and a first time visitor made their way to the altar and one of our altar workers was down there and I saw that look on this altar worker's face 
And I know this lady. I've been her pastor almost 40 years. And I, so I, I got down there. I knew something was wrong. I said, what is it? And she said, Brother Joe, help me here. This lady said she went to one of the churches in our town the other day and she joined the church and got baptized and, and uh, shook the preacher's hand and everybody come by and shook her hand. But she said that they didn't talk to her about the Romans road and about being saved and believing the gospel. And she said, I don't have what that preacher described as salvation. She said, I've been baptized. I, I joined the church, but I don't have that no-so stuff that preacher's talking about. And boy, she took her down the Romans road. And by the time she got to, whoo, by the time she got to that Romans 10, 13, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Son, I saw that first time visitor lift her hand and call upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad God saved her? God saves sinners. Ladies and gentlemen, when it comes to God saving sinners, emancipating people from the chains of sin, breaking addictions, changing their lives, there are no boundaries, there are no borders, there are no limits. You ain't seen nothing yet. There's nobody that God cannot save. And I'm glad the way of the cross still leads home. When it comes to saving sinners, how much more? Number two, I see this operating in the realm of how much more again in this text. Remember this morning, there is this friend who has been given the opportunity to help this other friend find bread. But he makes this admission. I don't have any. I don't have any. But even though that man may be empty, there's a couple of things that I love about him. Number one, he was willing to admit, I don't have it. And number two, he knew where to go get it because he has a friend who always has bread. And he goes to that friend who always has bread knocks on his door in the midnight hour and says, friend, I need three loaves and I don't need it for myself, but I need it for my friend that has come to me in his journey. And you might as well arise and give it because I'm going to seek, I'm going to ask, and I'm going to knock until I get it. And the Bible said the friend rose up at midnight. He didn't give him one. He didn't give him two. He didn't give him three. It said he gave him as many as he needed. And he got what he needed to fulfill his divine appointment. He got what he needed to be used and blessed of the Lord. So I say it like this. When it comes to God saving sinners, you ain't seen nothing yet. And when it comes to God supplying our needs, giving us what we need to fulfill our divine appointment, He is able to do exceeding, abundant, above all that we ask or think. 
God can supply our needs. He can give us what we need to fulfill our divine appointment. And I'm the first to admit tonight, I don't have in myself what the world needs. My talent is not enough. My personality is not enough. My ingenuity is not enough. My plans are not enough. But I'm glad I got a friend. I'm glad I got a friend who answers prayer at midnight and he can arise and say, I'm gonna give you what you need to win your family to Christ, to win your neighbor to Christ, to win your worker to Christ. I'm gonna give you exactly what you need so you can do my will and fulfill your divine purpose. We all need to admit it tonight. In ourselves, we don't have what it takes to bring America back to God. But I'm glad we have a friend named Jesus who has no boundaries and no borders and no limits. And I'm glad our Lord can arise at midnight and supply our needs and give us what we need that we might be able to serve him. I know a lot of people tonight I really believe they know God's calling them. I believe they know God has a special work for them, but they're holding on. They won't turn loose because they are afraid. They're apprehensive because somebody is in their ear trying to talk them out of doing the will of God by saying things like this. You have bills. You have children. You have obligations. Why, you can't give it all to God. You've got bills. You've got obligation. You've got children. And I really believe a lot of people are afraid just to turn loose and serve God because they're so worried about the obligations and the bills and the house, and the car, and the children. But I've come to tell you tonight, God knows about your house. He knows about your children. He knows about your car. Even if it's a broke down Dodge, He knows about your car. He knows about your children. He's the one that give them to you. And you know what else He knows? He knows He owns the cattle of a thousand hills. And he knows at midnight he will arise and give you and your family exactly what you need to fulfill your divine appointment. Can I brag on my heavenly father a little bit and tell you this tonight? He makes house payments. He makes car payments. He buys groceries. He educates children. He's not broke. He's not in the welfare line. He's not on social security. He's the king. He owns it all. And how much more he'll give us what we need to fulfill our divine appointment. You show a well, brother Joe. Doesn't the Lord know I have needs? Yep, but he knows something else. There's a fish out there swimming with some money in its mouth. Go catch him. <laughs> Brother Joe, doesn't the Lord know I got needs? Yep. But he knows there's a donkey about to die and you can use his jawbone to whack the enemy. 
But wait a minute, doesn't God know I got needs? Yep, he really does. But he knows something else. While you were in Genesis 22, facing Mount Moriah, coming up the rough side of the mountain with Isaac and the wood, he knows coming up on the other side is a ram. And he's going to step out and say, I am Jehovah Jireh. I am the Lord that will provide. Oh, Brother Joe, doesn't the Lord know I've got needs? Yep, he knows a sickness and the camp is going to break out. But he knows there's a bomb in Gilead. And he knows there is a sympathizing Savior. Yes, God knows our capabilities. And he knows our incapabilities. But he knows something else. The eye hasn't seen and the ear hasn't heard. Neither has it entered into our heart the great things that God can do. Don't you be afraid to serve the Lord. Don't you be afraid to tithe. Don't be afraid to cut the tithes and go all the way with God. He will supply your need and not just some of it but all of it cause you ain't seen nothing yet. I have a young fella well I've had a bunch of young fellas in 40 years that's came through our place. And several years ago we had a young man to come through probably with the most potential of any young man that we've ever been able to try to help in the ministry. But all of a sudden, somebody got a hold of him. And I think I know who it is. But since we're not supposed to judge nor gossip, I will move on. But if you really want to know, I'll tell you after the service. And it won't be gossip. We'll be sharing pertinent information. And if nobody else hears it, it ain't gossip. Boy, you women ought to love that point right there. Say amen. But somebody got a hold of that boy. Somebody got it in his head. Brother Bloom, somebody got it in that boy's head that if you serve God and go all the way with God, you won't ever be nothing. You won't ever have nothing. And you'll have to live like a pauper the rest of your life. I don't know, I don't know what got a hold of him, but, but that, that got in his mind. And I watched him day by day, month by month, take a match to his potential and burn it to the ground. But let me forward the story. Everything he thought he was going to have, if he'd hold back and put the world first, he don't have. And everything that he could have had, if he'd have just let go and let God, he squandered that. I want to tell you, he's able tonight to supply your need. Oh, but Brother Joe, who's going to pay the bills? God's going to pay the bills. God's going to make the house note. God's going to feed the children. Because when it comes to God supplying our needs, how much more, how much more, how much more, you ain't seen nothing yet. We had a need at our church one time. We needed another vehicle to pick up people for church. And one of the guys in our church had this awesome, wonderful, powerful, crazy idea. He said, Pastor, if we'll cut some of the missionaries out, shave some of that missionary money, we can buy anything we want. Now, I know Florida is in the South, but Georgia, we redneck South. 
And we're bad to use this term, Bubba. Now, your name may be John, it may be Bill, it may be Ralph, but Bubba. I found out Yankees have them too, and they call them Bubbets. But anyway, we say Bubba. And I looked at him, I said, Bubba, do you want us to go out of business? Well, no. I said, do you want God to cut the anointing line off of this ministry? Well, no. I said, do you want God to knock a knot so high on our head we got to get a ladder to scratch it? No. I said, do you want God to take his hand off of this ministry? He said, no. I said, well, great, because we're not going to cut the missionaries, and we're not going to shave the missionaries, and we're not going to curve any of the other ministries. He said, preacher, what are we going to do? I said, we're going to trust the God that's brought us this far and paid the bills this far. I found out something. My heavenly Father is an awesome banker. He's an awesome accountant. He's a real estate agent. I'm telling you, don't be afraid to trust him tonight. Don't be afraid to live for him tonight. Don't be afraid to let him have the keys of the Lordship in your life. He'll meet your need, and not just a little bit of it, but so much more. And just when you think he's bankrupted everything and he's done his greatest work, surprise, surprise, surprise. You ain't seen nothing yet. He'll do it again. When it comes to saving sinners, when it comes to supplying, supplying needs. But now come to our text, verse 13. He gave the friend illustration, the father illustration, the bread illustration, the salvation illustration, the supply and need illustration to get to the very foundation of the text. He said, all right, think about it. If that friend can give bread and that father can do the best for his child, how much more shall your heavenly father operate in your life and in mine in the spiritual realm? Hey, if he supplies needs physically, I believe he supplies needs spiritually. If he's the God of the fishes and the donkeys and the birds, if he's the God that pays the bills and feeds us physically, he's the God of power and unction and authority and anointing, the same God that created the heavens and the earth in the natural realm is the same God that can breathe upon us and use us and bless us and take us to the next level of our Christian experience. And so let me say it like this, when it comes to God saving sinners, you ain't seen nothing yet. When it comes to God supplying our needs, you ain't seen nothing yet. And according to this text, when it comes to the spirit-filled life, you ain't seen nothing yet. Just when you think you have gone as far as you can go, and just when you think you have grown in the Lord as far as you can grow, 
surprise, surprise, surprise. God can take you further. God can draw you closer. God can take you further. Oh, tonight, may we wave the white flag of surrender and pray like our Lord in the Garden of the Gethsemane as we look at the cup, not my will, but thy will be done. You say, well, Brother Joe, I'm saved and that's all that matters. Well, yes and no. When it comes to eternity, yeah. If you're saved, you're going. But ladies and gentlemen, there's more to the Christian life than just being saved and just going to heaven when you die. There is a fellowship. There is a walk. There is a joy. There is a communion. There is a place where we can get with God, where the joy and the peace and the blessing and the anointing and the unction of God can come upon my life and yours. And ladies and gentlemen, let me say like this, when it comes to God taking ordinary people like you and me and blessing us and using us to reach others for the cause of Christ, You ain't seen nothing yet. God can send another revival. God can shake America again. God can walk through our churches again. I'm glad he's the father that gives the blessing in the midnight hour. How much more? How much more? How much more? I want to do more than be a babe in Christ. I want to grow in the grace of God. I was reading the other day about that night before Jesus died on the cross. They're sitting in that upper room, those disciples. And on one end of the table, there's old Judas in the back of his mind, already counting his plot, counting the money, his betrayal. On one end of the table is old Simon Peter. He's already summated everybody. He's about to pitch a fit already. The other end of that table are two Baptists, position seeking, wondering who's going to be first. I'll tell you what we all do instead of arguing about who's going to be first, we all just be glad we're in the team. But, brother, there was one disciple at that table, and he, the Bible said, was leaning on the breast of our Lord. He wasn't about to betray him. He wasn't about to deny him. He wasn't worried about who was first. He said, ma'am, this is our last night with Jesus before he dies for our sins and goes back to heaven. I don't want to be in the same room. I don't want to sit at the same table. I want to get as close as I can get. And tonight, God wants you to do more than come to the house and come to the table. He wants you to know Him, love Him, serve Him. God wants to be real to you tonight and use you and bless you like He never, never has before. I'm glad tonight, ladies and gentlemen, there's 
a place where God wants you to go and a place where God wants me to go and bless us and use us and draw us closer than we've ever been. I was preaching one night on the Spirit-filled life in Jacksonville, Florida. And I could tell it really wasn't in Jacksonville. That's where the airport was. It was somewhere else close to there. And I could tell that the pastor did not agree with me. And the more I preached, the madder he got. By the time I got through, he was blood red from here to there. And so the next morning when he came to the hotel to take me to the airport, it's usually warm in Florida, but it was a cold ride that day. Man, it was cold and quiet. And as we pulled up to the Jacksonville International Airport, he said, Brother Arthur, before you get out of my car, I want you to know something. I don't believe one word of what you preached last night. He said, I heard Jack Howes, and I went to Howes and Anderson. I, I heard him talk about praying all night on his daddy's grave till he got anointed with fresh oil. I want you know, I, I didn't believe it then, and I don't believe it now. I've heard all them preachers talk about the fullness of God and the fullness of the power of God. I just want you to know, Reverend Arthur, I don't believe a word of that. Now, a good preacher and a good Christian and a decent man would have just nodded and got out. But some of my wife got in me. I had to get the last word in. And I said, sir, can I say something before I get out of this truck of yours? Look how nervous that makes me that you don't believe in it. I said, and number two, I believe in, I believe in it enough for me and you both. And number three, if you don't want your portion, send her down my way. I'll take a double dose of it. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, there's more to it than just showing up at church. There's more to it than going to bed at night and saying now to lay me down to sleep and reading a Bible verse. God wants to walk with you. God wants to fill you. God wants to use you. He wants to take you to the place where your life has an impact upon others. And I don't know how you feel about it tonight, but I've seen what man can do. I've seen what politics can do. I've seen what religion can do. But in my 62-year-old heart, I'm begging God one more time. I want to see what God can do, what revival can do, what a Holy Spirit awakening can do. And I'm glad when it comes to the Spirit-filled life, there's no boundaries, there's no borders, there is no limits you ain't seen nothing yet how God can break out in your life and use you for His glory. I'd been in our little church at that time about 12 to 14 years. I think about the 14th year. And we'd done all right. We'd done all right. We'd, 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 we'd done all right. But there was just something holding us back. One Sunday night, we started at six, and, and one of the elder preachers in our county had just retired, and man, he was a song-leading machine. 
So he retired from his church and came over and joined us. And for about five years, we had the privilege to, for that man to lead our congregational music. He came in my office that night and he always called me Bishop. Now, I don't, I don't understand that. We're Baptists. But he'd say, Bishop, what do you want to start with tonight? I said, Preacher Inslee, whatever you feel under the Lord. He said, all right, we're going to start off tonight with page 113 in our book. We sang it a while ago. It's a different page number, but we sang the same song a while ago. Glory to his name. Brother, when you started singing that, I began to cry because I went down memory's lane. We started singing that night, 6 o'clock. Right on the head. Down at the cross where my Savior died. And honey, by the time we got to glory to his name, oh wow, God walked in that building. God walked in that building. God changed my life that night. God changed my family that night. God changed my ministry that night. God changed our church that night. We started at six and finally somewhere around 10 o'clock. Now I'm going something, brother. You keep independent Baptists at church from six to 10, God better be there. <laughs> oh, about 9.30, my wife was in the nursery, but we call that at our church the horrible pit. And it depends on whose kids is in it. Sometimes we'll call it death row. <laughs> While we're in here enjoying the blessings of the Lord, they're going through the last three and a half weeks of Jacob's trouble. And they've been in there since from six to nine thirty. That's rough. I mean, when you're in a, a nursery that long with squalling youngins, like Jerry Clow or somebody shoot up in here, we need some relief. Don't you look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. You got the CD and I do too. By 9.30, she said, I'm going to go see what's keeping Joe. And boy, she made her way out of the horrible pit down that hallway and came back through that foyer. And this is her testimony. You got to understand now, Mrs. Arthur is the very opposite of me. Quiet, very, very dignified. Looks like she walked out of a magazine every, I mean... I've wanted to mess her hair up for these years, but I want to live. And boys, are some things just ain't worth it. Can I get a witness in the church house? Very dignified. In fact, we got in an argument a while back, and I told her, I said, you know what? I said, you'd have made a good Methodist preacher's wife. And she said, I may have, but right now I'm married to a loudmouth Baptist. And then I said, get behind me, Satan. Boys, don't ever go that far because it ain't no coming back from that. But she said, when I put my hand on that door, I felt the electricity. She said, I opened the door to see what was going on and what I did. She said, I've heard my father talk about it, my grandpa preach about it, but it was foggy in there, baby. It was foggy. Now, I'm not talking about a holy roller. I'm talking about a, I'm talking about a, a Presbyterian Methodist slash Episcopalian Baptist saying that. She said, God was in that room. She said, I backed out and I went to the nursery 
and said, girls, I don't know what's going on in there, but there's somebody there tonight besides Joe. There's somebody up there tonight besides Joe. She said, there's somebody there besides Joe. Yeah, there was somebody there that night besides me because I couldn't do that my greatest, longest day. God changed my family that night. God changed our church that night. People got saved that night. People got called to the mission field that night. People got called to preach that night. Our church is tonight because of that night. It's been so long ago now, most of the people that were there are in heaven. There's a few left that still remembers. And all you got to say to them is, what about that night? They'll start crying. Next time you see Julie, say, what about that night? She'll say, oh my, God changed us that night. God took us to another level that night. God set our life in motion that night. That night we got out of the way. That night we emptied ourselves. That night we nailed ourselves to the cross. That night we got off the throne and put Jesus on the throne. That night God showed us that we were nothing and he is everything. And I'm just telling when it comes to God using you and blessing you and making you effective in the spiritual world, no boundaries, no borders, no limits. You ain't seen nothing yet. I'm closing with this tonight. I said it again this morning. I've read this text backwards and forwards and over and over, backwards and forwards, over and over. And the only thing I can see that would keep somebody from the bread and to keep somebody from this blessing According to this text, they didn't ask, they didn't seek, and they didn't knock. Because our Lord Jesus Christ emphatically said, you seek, you're going to find. You ask, and you're going to receive. Knock, and it shall be open. It's up to Him to do it. It's up to you and I to meet the obligations. Let's see what God can do. Much more. Much more. For standing all over the building tonight, our Heavenly Father. Lord, as Jacob said, crawling on the ground, we're unworthy of the least of thy tender mercies. But we're not here tonight, Lord, because we're worthy. We're here because you are worthy. And I pray, Lord, tonight that you'll help us. Help us to be soul winners. Help us to be witnesses for Christ. Help us to cut the line and go all the way and go further. And let you be God in us. Lord, take us to the next level. God, let us see how much more. In the mighty name of Jesus tonight we pray.